2: Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Hey. Presented by Brown and Bravin Brown 222-2222. Oh, the Bayou Billikens says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
3: Our number two is officially underway. It's 11.06 in St. Louis. Welcome back, everybody. It's Sports on a Sunday Morning. I'm Mike Claiborne. And this hour, we have quite a few things to discuss. We'll talk a little... Billiken basketball with the voice of the Billikens, Bob Ramsey. Lon Tay is going to check in from Champaign and talk a little bit about Illinois football with a new coach. And also their basketball team has a tip-off a little after 12 today against Rutgers. And we'll wrap up the hour with Coach Eli Drinkwitz of the University of Missouri as they finished their regular season yesterday. And now they look and see what's going to happen on the bowl front. So we'll have a chance to chat with him about that. But before we go any further... My good buddy Kevin Wheeler and I host the Countdown to Opening Day show here on KMOX on Wednesday nights. And we had a chance to catch up with the vice president of community affairs and also basically the guy in charge of Cardinals care. He is Michael Hall. And in case you haven't heard, the uh, winter warm-up won't take place in the manner we've been accustomed to watching it and being part of it. But we're going to do something a little different. So we thought it'd be a good idea for you to hear how it's going to shake out for 2021. So here's our visit with Michael Hall. Well, Michael, the the winter warm-up, a a tradition for Cardinal fans and Cardinal Nation, going to be a little different this year because of COVID, uh, a virtual winter warm-up. And I know for some people, they're going to ask you, well, what's going to be the biggest difference? So I figured, why why ask me? I'll ask you. (laughs) Okay.
4: Yeah, uh, this year we are going virtual, obviously, with everything that's going on in the world. Um, And and the biggest change is the interaction with the players is is not going to be live. You know, we're all uh, obviously used to the in-person event, but uh, we recognize that the player interaction is the biggest draw for the winter warm-up. And uh, we were able to still reach out to our players and, and try to create some virtual experiences that fans would be able to participate in and the players would be able to participate in and still try to find ways to raise money for the foundation as that's what the winter warm-up is, is, our, is the Cardinals Care's largest fundraiser.
5: And the things that are going on right now, Michael, you got the fifty-fifty rally that's happening now. Um, you've got some autographed items and personalized items that are up there now. People can go to cardinals.com slash WWU. So if they want to jump in now and maybe do a little something quick before Christmas, I think this is the time to do it.
4: Yeah, Kevin, and, and thanks for bringing those up. You know, the way the winter warm-up is going to lay out – uh, going into 2021 is obviously a little different than normal. We, we launched with the 50-50 raffle on Black Friday, uh, which is traditionally the day that admission tickets go on sale for the winter warm-up. But the 50-50 this year, we, we launched on that Black Friday. Uh, we guaranteed a minimum pot of $10,000, so one lucky fan is going to win a minimum of $5,000. It's going to go through... The traditional end of winter warm up, which this year will be the Monday of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is January the 18th. It'll close at three o'clock. And there's really four different price points that fans are able to purchase tickets. Uh, we did add a unique price point. It's a $75 price point. You get 250 raffle numbers, but you also get a authenticated autograph photo mailed to you while supplies last. So that was one of the things that we added as well as uh, some early bird entry prizes uh, for the winter warm-up. And in fact, one of our prizes ends this Friday morning at uh, 9 a.m. You have a chance to win a $250 gift card. So it was just a way to get things started. We wanted to keep the tradition of having something go on sale on Black Friday that is winter warm-up related and this will continue through through the event itself. So that's that's going on right now. Like you mentioned, you can get more information at cardinals.com slash WWU.
3: Michael, um, obviously, there are a lot of other things that go on within the warmup where you have the, the roundtable sessions and things of that nature. A lot of those things that fans have been looking forward to will still continue. We'll just do it virtually. Uh, but for you and your crew, this is a maiden voyage. I mean, no one's ever tried to do something of this size before. What have you found to be some of the bigger challenges? And also, what are some of the things you tried to add that, you know, we're going to see if it sticks to the wall or not. It may become something that we do permanently.
4: The biggest challenge, I think, for everyone in the organization, because the warm up isn't just me and my team that put it together. It's, it's the entire organization has a part in this. And the biggest challenge is what you said. There's There's no template. We've never done this before. We can't we can't look at our notes from the last pandemic and, and make adjustments. You know, we're we're trying to do this as as thoughtfully uh, as we possibly can with regards to keeping everyone safe as well as providing content for the fans. And so, you know, what we have coming up on winter warm-up weekend, we wanted to keep that traditional weekend and have events on that Saturday, Sunday, Monday of Martin Luther King weekend, we've created some Cardinal virtual experiences that will not actually go on sale until after the first of the year. But we will start putting the information up here in the next couple of days so fans can, can take a look. But essentially what we've done is we've created virtual experiences where fans will have the opportunity to see the players in a different setting. Um, in these virtual settings, you know, they may be at home or somewhere. They're not going to be at the ball field and they're not going to be at a at a hotel where the warm-up normally is. It's going to be a, a different type of setting. And each one of the virtual experiences has a different theme. And what we wanted to do is, is try to inc- incorporate the traditional baseball talk. But we also wanted to incorporate some different things to show different sides of our players uh, and different experiences. Uh, for, for all fans. And the one thing that this event may give us an opportunity to do is some sort of virtual content in the future, because what it does is it opens up our content, our baseball, Cardinals baseball, to literally everyone across the country and across the world that is interested because it's online. So um it, it's not limited to people who are able to actually make an, uh, an in-person event so maybe some of this sticks as you mentioned and, and we can we can do some similar things in the future
5: michael we'll close on this um because you know there we we know this is all what's happening and again cardinals.com slash wwu for everything that's happening now like the fifty fifty and the autographs that are available and the stuff that's upcoming like the silent auctions like those experience you're talking about but also, want to ask about the why. I mean, this is for Cardinals Care. You guys do a lot of work for kids in the St. Louis community, Redbird rookies, a whole lot of great programs. Really benefit from all of this.
4: Yeah, this, um, as I, I mentioned earlier, uh, winter warm is a is a tradition for us as the organization, and we hope that the our, our, our fans see it as a tradition as well. It, it is it's our fundraiser. It, it literally kicks the season off for Cardinals care and kind of for the Cardinals under our normal, uh, circumstances, uh, you know, spring training not very long after winter warmup ends. And so it really gets everything started for us. And, and we wanted to continue that it's important for us to try to raise money, um, for the kids that we support in the community, but it's also, we feel important to, to engage our fans and, and uh, provide some content similar to what we've been able to do. Uh, in the past and, and this year with, I, I really am looking forward to, uh, the response to the virtual experiences. You know, I, I think fans are really going to like them. We're actually going to kick off. I'll tease a little bit on, uh, the Friday leading into warm up. that Friday evening, uh, we're putting together a 2011 world series reunion and, um, some interaction with some of the players from, from that team. And we've already have some commitments, uh, David Freeze, Lance Berkman, uh, Jason Mott, uh, Kyle McClellan uh, have all agreed. Uh, Alan Craig just recently confirmed. So we're, we're gathering more guys as we're working through it. But uh, we're looking at, at kind of kicking off winter warm-up weekend beginning that Friday evening with this with this uh, virtual experience. And, and there'll be several others throughout the weekend. Just encourage fans to go to cardinals.com slash WWU to look for those opportunities, look for those descriptions, and, again, they'll be available uh, to sign up after the new year.
5: Michael, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. You have a great Christmas and a happy new year. I know we'll be talking soon, but thanks for joining us.
4: My pleasure. Happy holidays, guys. Look forward to seeing you soon.
3: That's Michael Hall, and uh, we thank him for joining us. Hey, don't forget, coming up in just a bit, we're going to visit with the Hall of Fame broadcaster for St. Louis University, Bob Ramsey. He comes your way next here on KMOX.
2: Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown and Krupen. Brown and Krupen, 222-2222 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
3: 19 after the hour of 11 o'clock here on a Sunday morning. I'm Mike Claiborne, and we go back to the guest line. And standing by is the Hall of Fame broadcaster for St. Louis University. He is Bob Ramsey. Rammer, good morning, sir. How are you? Michael, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited because the Billikens are going to have a road game, uh, the first one of the year. And, you know, I was just talking to Chris May about how, when you look at the schedule, and I know this wasn't one that was drawn up back in the summer, but when you play an SEC team, an ACC team, and a Big Ten team as part of your non-conference schedule, I think that gives you a lot of street cred these days.
6: Yeah, you know, um, the the staff, uh, Chris and uh, and everybody on Travis Ford's staff did such a good job trying to keep things together on the fly. You know, we were s- supposed to start playing games in early November. That got washed out. We had a big, and I mean it was a big tournament with Gonzaga and uh, a number of name-name uh, programs in Orlando. The whole thing got washed out. Uh, and for uh, St. Louis University to be able to get um, – these three quality opponents on the schedule, as I said, on the fly, really remarkable.
3: You know, uh, you're six and oh, and we just mentioned the three good quality opponents. And there are a couple of blood donors on there as well, just like everybody else. But in your opinion, from where you sit, what's been the one constant that you've been able to see every night this team has hit the floor?
6: I think balance, um, Balance offensively that the Bills haven't had in quite a long time, and that is they they have depth that helps provide that balance not only with bigs but with scorers and guys who can shoot it. And when you've got two or three guys, and it's looking like it may be closer to four or five as this thing unfolds, that can step back and hit the three with um, uh, high percentage uh, and confidence. Now the opposition has to play you straight up. And then that opens things up for Goodwin and Perkins to drive to the bucket and Uri Collins to get to the bucket and drop things off to Hassan French. And it just, when a team has to play you straight up and they can't do much trick stuff on you and you can deliver, then, then I think balance and depth, those are the things that have been showing up almost every night.
3: Javante Perkins has gotten off to an incredible start. Uh, did you see this in the offing? Because he's a young man that has certainly started making comparisons to some really good players that have gone through this program. When did things start to clock in for him? Mid season last year,
6: and he became the guy every night. I think the one thing that was missing, we weren't sure as last season ended up, that he appeared to be a competent three-point shooter. But we knew he could find ways to get to the rim, and he was deadly in the mid-range shot. But was he going to be the was he going to be a, a better than competent to be a good three-point shooter? And now he can score from every level of the of the court. He can go. He steps back and shoots the three with ease. I mean, it's it's just remarkable. He just kind of kind of flips the ball up there, and nothing but net. And we all we, we already knew about his ability to find those open spots in the court, you know, with the elbow inside the head of the key, those kinds of things. And then when you, when you try and get up on him, he just spins and goes to the rim. So I think the, uh, I think the thing that's gone to the next level this season is the three-point shooting.
3: We have a game this evening, Minnesota Golden Gophers. A team we obviously don't see a great deal of, so give us a little bit of a scouting report on what we can listen for tonight.
6: Yeah, you know, you're right about that. It hasn't been since uh, 2003 that the Billikens have played the Gophers in a St. Louis loss in the NIT. It has been a while. Um, Richard Patino is the head coach. They've only had one loss, and, and fans of area teams know that uh, Illinois handed it to them last week, and I mean absolutely handed it to them. It was uh, Illinois was coming off the Missouri loss. They were hot. Uh, they were angry, and they took it out on the Gophers. Now, will Minnesota try and do that same thing and turn it around on St. Louis? Almost certainly. The thing that strikes me about this team, even though their best scorer is a guard who handles the ball constantly, um, a six-two guard who can really shoot it named Marcus Carr. He's averaging 22, almost 23 points a game. The thing that really strikes me about the Gophers, Mike, is that they have six players between six, eight, and 7 feet tall. And they've recruited Dude. two more seven-footers. <laughs> it's,
3: it's shocking. Jeez. I didn't you know there was that, the that many walking around, but apparently there is. So we, we got to get in there on that pipeline at some point. Hey, well, but you know, know, you know mentioned this they, guard. We didn't know it. Yeah, we didn't know it because they got them all. that's true well they all can't play so maybe there's a home for them somewhere down the road in st louis and the way kids transfer these days you just never know you you, you mentioned this guard if there's one area where st louis is really strong especially on the defensive end is guard play so this could be a very interesting matchup mr carr may i introduce you to jordan goodwin
6: and oh by the way
3: absolutely
6: Oh, by the way, if we want to switch it up, we'll put Fred Thatch on you, as Earl would call those guys, the strong-arm brokerage firm. <laughs> well,
3: It's going to be fun to, to, to listen to that one tonight because uh, that, that is something that the Billikens have really been good at, playing defense, especially in the backcourt. All right, so you've got this one tonight. What's the schedule look like down the road?
6: Well, then, you know, the, the conference schedules are starting for everyone early. We got UMKC on Wednesday, who I didn't even get the memo. Their are athletic teams. They're trying to just go by Kansas City, the Kansas City Kangaroos, mm. and drop the UA. Ah. I don't know why. Okay. But they have.
3: Uh, maybe, they're, way, maybe they're forming a new pro league or something we don't know about yet. So that, that could be yeah, it. I don't know. Either way, the
6: Ruse the, uh, will hop on over to St. Louis. Wednesday, we'll break for Christmas and then get ready for uh, – Then get ready for conference play. Duquesne will be early. Duquesne's had the Billikens number um, uh, quite a few times in the last couple of years. So we'll be starting things off right.
3: You and I had this conversation earlier in the week, so I'm going to share it with all our listeners here on CAMOX. Uh, if there's a person who probably can assess officiating in college basketball, it would be you. You've seen enough and you've been able to judge a, a good and maybe a worse call in your career. Uh, I, I think the officiate has been inconsistent. Because of the fact that these games have just been so inconsistent as far as scheduling is concerned. And unlike in baseball and other sports where you have crews that always work together, these guys are coming from everywhere. So a guy who may be used to working three to five, three to four nights a week may only do two nights. And, you know, with travel and the whole process of getting from one place to another, I think it's created some uneasy and some uneven officiating so far. What do you see it from where you sit?
6: You know, I think that's terrific insight. And when you think about it, you know, COVID's affected all of us in those kinds of things. Consistency, travel, um, you know, you're working from home, you're trying to go to the office, there's social distancing. And so everybody's kind of had to relearn how we're going to work things. Um, and I think part of the problem, um, uh, to dovetail into what you're talking about, is um, uh, guys not work, guys and women not working together. Uh, consistently enough um, to uh, be a unit be cohesive because officials really have to count on each other when they're at their best it's a a three-person team effort Uh, you've seen that I think even casual fans uh, recognize that they're positioning together they're moving as one unit around the floor as they rotate up and down the court because people watch that's what they do the officials will rotate into their spots Um, you know I'm seeing uh, uh, early on uh, a handful of times of games uh, refs being out of position making the best call they can from where they are but could they have been in a better position to get a better angle I think so but I think all that goes back to the inconsistency of our lives right now
3: Bob, before we get out of here, the best new facility in the state of Missouri is down at the Lake of the Ozarks ballpark national. Uh, Give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what this is going to impact as far as the state of Missouri and certainly uh, people who are really into athletics and certainly outdoors.
6: Well, thanks for asking Mike Uh, ballparks national at the Lake of the Ozarks um, is a a synthetic turf facility, uh, five fields uh, already completed in phase one. Uh, perfect for all ages, uh, girls' fast-pitch softball, and up to 12 and actually 13 you would bat for boys. And so um, we hope as uh, people's lives um, open up a little bit more uh, as we get into the spring and then uh, obviously into the summer as, uh, as there's less and less concern, people feel more comfortable traveling, we hope with your travel ball that you'll look at uh, Ballparks national. Uh, this spring and summer, just go to ballparksnational.com and see all the information there. It's easy to sign up, and we hope to see a bunch of folks. Come on down and play some ball.
3: Maybe i bring a beer league down there
6: as long as, long as it's cold. We have beer for you, Mike. You don't even have to bring it with you. Just bring the players, and we'll take care of you.
3: Sounds great. Hey Ram, are you and Earl tonight on the call? Have a good one. Bring home a winner, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin Jr. tonight on KMOX. Thank you, sir. See you, buddy. All right, that's Bob Ramsey. I'm Mike Claiborne. It's sports on a Sunday morning. When we come back, we'll cross the river and go up to Champaign, Illinois, and talk to with the one and only Lante about all the things that are happening at the University of Illinois on the football field and on the basketball court. When we return on KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by
2: Brown and Krupen. Brown and 222 2222 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
3: To Champaign, Illinois, we go, and it's always great to visit with Lante. Lante is on 93.5 ESPN in Champaign. He's got a great afternoon drive show, but more importantly, He's kind of like the associate mayor of Champaign-Urbana, and he's also in the loop when it comes to sports. So we thought we'd check in with Lon this morning. Lon, good morning, sir, and I hope everything is safe with you and yours. Amen, Mike. Merry Christmas and happy holidays.
2: All is good. And uh, with Illinois, we got a top-20 basketball team and we got a new head football coach. So uh, I'd say the spirits are high around Champaign-Urbana.
3: Well, let's talk a little bit about your coach. Uh, were you surprised at the, the pace that it took for them? To, they fired Lovey last week, and they bring in a new guy. And I'm wondering, um, was this something they had on the board for some time? Uh, because there are going to be some good coaches that are going to be looking for good jobs here fairly soon. Uh, do you think maybe they jumped the gun, or is this the guy they had their eye on for quite some time?
2: I want to think that this is the guy that Josh had his eye on. Um, it seems like Josh passes all the tests. When it comes to Illini fans liking him as the athletic director, he has a passion for the University of Illinois. Of course, he played football for the Illini. So I would say that he had um, Brett Bielma in mind. I know that he had mentioned after the Iowa game a couple of weeks ago is when he made his decision to himself essentially that uh, the Lovey era was going to end. And I think with the idea that Brett Bielma isn't, you know, a college coach and you had to wait for certain games to get done with, I think that probably played into it. But I think Josh likes Bielma. He likes his Big Ten connection. He played at Iowa under Hayden Fry back in the day. He coached under Kirk Ferentz, coached under Barry Alvarez, replaced Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin, won 60-plus games, uh, three Big Ten titles. So I think, I think Josh likes that Midwest roots. And he's from Illinois. He's from uh, northwest Illinois, a town called Profitstown. So I think it's the reaction to Lovey in terms of the recruiting, and we've seen it already. Recruiting the state of Illinois is going to be such a huge thing, and I think Josh Whitman likes that about Brett Dielman, and I think Brett's ready to do it.
3: You know, that's interesting you bring it up because I know when Lovey got the job, everybody thought this was going to be the real key for him because they thought he could recruit – they thought he could get players out of Chicago and throughout the state. It, it just didn't work. And, and I always felt like as much as I wanted to see him succeed and, and and for people who know him and what a good person he is, he just never really had an offensive personality. I mean, the offense really never made the statement. Defensively, they were pretty good until they got worn down. So what is Bilma going to have to do in order to change the culture with regard to making sure you've got better balance on your football team?
2: Well, that's a great point. And I think it all starts with the coordinators. You know, that's something that I felt like early on, Lovey Smith hired some names, you know, Garrick McGee he took him from Louisville. Uh, Garrick was making more money in Louisville. I believe he brings him to Illinois as an offensive coordinator. And that worked horribly. Uh, Hardy Nickerson, who we all know and loved in the NFL, Hardy Nickerson came here and it just didn't really uh, connect or work with him. And then Lovey just decided, you know what, I'm just going to take over this defense. And it's a defense, unfortunately, Mike, that has just been shredded too many times. And like you said, they would get worn down in games. But even yesterday was a perfect example. No Lovey, of course, at the game, but you give up 56 points to a Penn State team. And so I think Bielma is going to, I hope, this is my hope, is that he goes back to a little bit of the power football. Because if you look in the West, You look at teams like Iowa and Wisconsin, and that works, right? They're not not too out of hand splendid in terms of running crazy stuff. They just kind of get the big boys up front and beat you up with it. So we'll see what Brett can do. Now, he did say yesterday that his time in the NFL, he served under Bill Belichick, and now, of course, Joe Judge with the Giants. He mentioned that he's, it's kind of opened his eyes to some new offense that he wants to maybe run at Illinois. So I'm anxious to see what that is because there's a little bit of a, I don't know if it's going to be the power of football that maybe I'm wanting, but we'll see. We'll see what Brett does. And of course he's going to have to get uh, the, the guys to be able to do it. And that'll be the key thing.
3: See, you know, you're starting to date yourself talking about power football, three yards in a cloud of dust. You know, the kids don't do that anymore. They want to throw it. They want to open it up. You're starting to date yourself, Tay. You better be careful here. I'm just saying. That's so true, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I (laughs) – and a guy like Isaiah Williams,
2: I mean, you saw it yesterday. He's electric, right? And and he could be, obviously, he even mentioned, he said, I feel like I'm auditioning for a job next year. And he's a kid that can, at one point this year, ran for 192 yards. He can sling it a little bit. He's got to get better at that. If you're going to win in the Big Ten or anywhere in college, you got to be able to throw the ball a little bit, right? So it is one of those things Well, we'll see. And that's going to be my question number one for Brett when we finally get a chance to him is, how do you utilize the offense? I feel like defensively he's going to grind it out. He's going to be a little bit tougher with, uh, with that kind of sense. But I'm anxious to see what his offense does, and I'm anxious to see who his coordinators are.
3: Well, you know, in fairness, though, you, you do have to have a running game. I, I don't care what era yep. it is. Uh, and if you don't think so, ask Florida about Alabama's running game last night. And the guy just <laughs> gave 250 yards. It, you know, wasn't even sweating. But Which brings me to this question, because the, the bowl pairings have just come out. Notre Dame's in. Texas A&M is out. Your thoughts on that? You know, it's funny, Mike. I've never been – if there's
2: one sport that I don't focus much time in on, it is college football nationally. So I am probably the worst guy to ask that question to. I know Notre Dame got embarrassed, but they do have the victory over Clemson earlier. Yes, Trevor Lawrence wasn't there, but you're still taking care of a Clemson team earlier this year. I hate it for AM. I mean, I hate it for even Indiana football, who had, you know, just one of those yeah. sparkling seasons under Tom Allen. But, you know, it's just a situation where. I, I just, I, I just, it is what it is, I guess. And I apologize. I know I'm topping out on that question, but I just don't follow it as close as probably I should when it comes to the national stage. Not like I do well, basketball or hockey, like you know. With and our boy stainer has gone, but what a career he had!
3: Wow. Yeah, he did have a great career. See, you, you're getting old now. I don't watch that kind of stuff anymore. You I got You know what? You need. A, we got to get you straightened out here, man. You need a hip replacement <laughs> or something, man. Hey, uh, Illinois basketball. Uh, they were an armory Gosh. bunch after that Missouri game last week, and Minnesota found out how armory they were. Now they've got Rutgers today. What do you think on that game, and, and what's been the big difference? Is it the fact that this is a veteran team that decided to come back, and Brad Underwood, who I think is one of the most underrated coaches in the country, and what he's been able to do, uh, the fact that those kids believed in him as well? So what's been the X factor and why this team has gotten off to a great start?
2: That's a great question. Can I swallow pride? And this is going to be the most hurtful thing I've ever said. But, boy, how about the credit to Missouri and and the way they played in that game against Illinois? They brought it to the Illini. And I think that may have been a good good little lesson. I mean, when Illinois lost to Baylor, I think everybody kind of sits there and thinks, listen, this Baylor team is one of the better teams in the country, obviously. They're ranked like that. But I was so impressed with that. But the Missouri game, I think, is something Illinois thought they could just Not walk in and handle. They know that's always a game. But Missouri handed it to them, and so now I'll get to your question. I think the identity of this team is with Io. When he came back, when he decided it was time, and then, of course, the next day Kofi comes back, that was like early Christmas for Illinois fans. And the veteran experience, you know, the guy like Demonte Williams Mike, who is being forced to play the four as a six-four basically, guard. But DeMonte Williams is a guy that just he's, just, he's tough. And he's like, I'll take on all challenges. So bring him on. Let's go. I'll do my part. He's hitting threes now. You got a guy like Trent Frazier who you hope can get a little bit more consistent from that three-point line. And then you mix in these young freshmen and Adam Miller, who's uh, you know a dead, dead eye from the outside, and Andre Corbello, who's magic with the basketball if you haven't watched illinois today at, in about 20 minutes is a good uh, good time on espn2 against Rutgers. going to be a dog fight but andre corbello is so fun to watch but yeah this team has got veterans I- i'm with you brian underwood does a heck of a job coaching this squad he's got a great staff all is well for illini basketball and i just hope that uh, a magic of possibly a big 10 championship and a deep run in the tournament i hope it happens
3: I'm, I'm with you on that. Hey, Lon, as always, man, it's great to visit with you. Uh, for Christmas, I'm going to send you a youth injection so you can kind of like hang out with the kids <laughs> a little bit more with some of your views. And uh, more importantly, man, stay safe and give my best to everybody in Champagne. Tell Stevie J. I said, hey. You are the best, Mike Claiborne. I will do that. Thank you so much for having me this morning. All right, man. Take care. He is Lante of Champaign-Urbana, 93.5 ESPN in Champaign. And, man, they are on top of everything and also one of our Cardinal affiliates there as well. All right, when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show with Coach Eli Drinkwitz from the University of Missouri. He had a busy day yesterday. And now what's next? Well, we'll all find out at the same time. We return here on KMOX. Welcome
2: back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown and Crouppen. Raven Crouppen, 222-2222 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
3: 46 after the hour of 11 o'clock, let's go to Columbia, Missouri, and standing by as a head coach of the University of Missouri football program, Coach Eli Drinkwitz. How are you, sir? Good morning to you. Good morning, Claves. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, a lot of things to talk about here. So, first of all, with the news just coming out on who the four teams will be, they got to be a little upset right now down at College Station by not being in this uh, this playoff. Uh, I, I don't know what Jimbo Fisher could have done other than beat Alabama, which uh, is a is a tall task for everyone. But if I'm if I'm Texas A and M, I'm I'm a little laundry right now. Yeah, I, you know, I
7: honestly I've been in here working on uh, our bowl plan ourselves, so I hadn't even noticed who got in or who didn't. I I just assumed we play the best college football in the country here in the SEC. So I just Made an assumption that we would be in the uh, uh, college football. Two of us would be in the college football playoff. I believe the, the margin of win by Clemson over Notre Dame was larger than the than the uh, Alabama over A and M. So don't understand it, uh, but obviously you know they've got professionals doing it. So whatever.
3: Well, you know what? I'm anxious to when it when that day comes and you and I are having this conversation on how you got in as a Final Four yeah. compared to being on the outside looking in. So if we can work on that. We'll be in good shape.
7: Yeah, hey, you know, a, we're laying the groundwork. Uh, you know, this year we didn't we didn't finish the way we wanted to yesterday. But when you step back and look at perspective, we you know we finished five and five uh, in an all SEC schedule, uh, best of any new head coach in the SEC with the toughest schedule in college football. You know, in the SEC this year. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff to build on. And there's still a lot of things that we've got to get ironed out and corrected. Um, but we're moving in the right direction. I mean, obviously, we just had a great haul uh, with recruiting St. Louis and extremely proud of what we're doing there and recruiting. And uh, that's where it starts. And then, uh, you know, the next thing we've got to continue to do is build our, our toughness and our culture. And, and uh, you know, I'm proud of what we're displaying. We just got to continue to improve and, get, and continue to get better players.
3: Hey, talk a little bit about, if you will, your team uh, from the first whistle you blew in practice to where you finished. What was the area you thought you grew the most in? And what was the area where you said to yourself, you know what, we we know we're going to have to be better in order to be able to compete in this league?
7: Well, I mean, it's so remarkable because the people that we blew the first whistle with to, to the people that we're at now are not a lot of the same. Um, there's been so many changes and so many uh, attrition and injuries and different things, I think the thing that has me so positive is the fight that our team has shown. Um, you know, I mean, I think I can point out Sean Robinson, who started started our season at quarterback for two games, mm-hmm. and yesterday he played the entire second half at safety, had six tackles and interception. I mean, that just shows you the always-compete mindset that we're going to have. And if we can continue to get guys um, to play with that kind of swagger and that kind of effort and that kind of belief, then we're going to get to where we want to go.
3: You know, for you, and you talk about the SEC schedule, I think it says a lot about what you and your staff have been able to do. You go five and five. You didn't have any blood donors on the schedule. I mean, you didn't bring in East Toenail, State Wesley, no. or anybody like this. Everybody no. on the schedule is is a legitimate program. What do, you, what do you think you came away with from that? Because that was not something that everybody thought was the best idea, but it was the only one. So what did you come away with it from?
7: Um, I think I, I came away with a sense of what it's going to take to compete in this league as far as we got to have uh, dominating trenches. And that's really the, the area that we're the, the – uh, got to make some significant improvements we also need speed um you know we're not our our overall team speed is not where it needs to be uh, and we got to continue to improve that and um you know that's that's really what we got to do in order to, to win this league
3: well you mentioned recruiting earlier um i know everybody is enamored with the What they used to call, I never agree with this, the skill players. We talk about receivers and backs and quarterbacks. I think the skill, especially in the SEC, starts at the line of scrimmage. How did you fare there with regard to recruiting this year?
7: You know, I think um, we were able to add uh, specifically on the defensive line what we needed. Um, And I I really like Kai Wingo out of DeSmet. I mean, he's Defensive Player of the Year two years in a row. And he's just he he's got a knack for finding the football and playing extremely hard, which is the culture we have to have. Trevion Ford out of uh, Luther North is another guy who can really get after the quarterback. And those two guys, uh, local kids, are really good. The other offensive line we got out of Jackson, Connor Tolleson, is a guy that you can win in the trenches with. And all three of those guys are the type of players that we have to have in order to be successful in this league.
3: Hey, for you, um, best team you faced that was in Alabama?
7: Um, yeah, Florida, uh, Florida, just that quarterback combined with Kendarius, Tony and, and, uh, and Pitts at tight end, they had a real defensive end too. That was, was very difficult to block. So that combination of skill, um, really was a challenge, a challenge for us, uh, to to play against. I mean, Georgia is right there. I think we caught Georgia when they were finding their groove at quarterback. Um, and they're, at, and both sides of the line of scrimmage are as good as as really anybody else that we played um but i would go bama florida then georgia
3: what are you hearing with respect to a bowl game opportunity i know your name and your team has been mentioned for some opportunities uh what's yeah. the latest on that front
7: yeah uh, you know i'm not sure we 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 gave a list of uh bowls that that we would love to participate in and i think uh you know our administration is working closely with the sec uh, to to announce where we're going. Hopefully we'll know here in the next um, two or three hours. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's important for us to get an opportunity to play another game and uh, represent this great state and, and play another good game of football.
3: And you get some extra practices in as well, right? Yeah, it won't be as, as many as you normally get
7: just because, you know, we've been practicing all the way up until uh, yesterday. And so I'm actually going to give these guys a chance to go home uh, and, and refresh and mentally recharge and see their families for Christmas. And then we'll come back and, and, uh, depending on when the, when the game is, figure out exactly when we're back and, and what we're doing there.
3: What about you and your staff? I mean, one thing about being a college football coach, uh, your, your work is never done either your coaching or recruiting. How's that work now for you guys at this time of the year?
7: It's recruiting. I mean, it's all, all into recruiting right now and coaching. And, uh, you know, we still have about six spots left that we could sign in this class that we're looking for. Um, and then, you know, working on the 22 class, we had uh, the last couple of Fridays we've been popping with some news. So hopefully we can keep that streak alive.
3: You know, for you, uh, first year in the SEC as a head coach, was there one game that you and your staff walked away with and, and felt like you really learned a lot more, not only about your your club, but about yourselves as coaches?
7: Um, I mean, I think obviously the Arkansas game and the Kentucky game, where we were able to battle through four quarters and find a way to win both of those games, I think said a lot about our team and our coaching staff. Um, but honestly, the game that I'm going to remember the most and longest is the Georgia game um, because I know where I want to get and I know how far away we are.
3: Yeah, it's amazing when you look across the field and you look at the other team and you say, that's who we want to be. And yeah. uh, what Kirby Smart's been able to do there, he didn't do it overnight, but you know, it takes a little time. But that I think that's what you're talking about, trying to say we want to be consistent and we want to be a power within this conference, if not the country. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. Hey, well, Coach, uh, take a break if you can. Uh, You can do a little recruiting, get ready for the bowl game. Uh, I I really – I think I speak for a lot of fans. We really enjoy what you've been able to bring to the program and certainly to the state of Missouri with what you were able to do. I know you didn't end it like you wanted it to, but, man, there's a lot of good football in front of you. So, uh, congratulations on this year. Good luck with your bowl game, and I'm sure you and I will be crossing paths here in the very near future. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, take care. And best of holidays to your family as well. Yes, sir. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. He is Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach of the University of Missouri. Man, we went through a lot of people, a lot of people today. In case you haven't heard on the football front, college football front, the four teams, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, I thought Texas A&M should have been in. Uh, I, I thought they checked a lot of boxes. I think the fact that you would have had two SEC teams is probably the reason why. But I will make one one issue and one warning to Notre Dame. You better bring more than what you brought to Clemson because if you don't, it might get out of hand like it normally does when it comes to postseason play for Notre Dame when they get into this tournament. So. They, they may have their hands full, especially after what we saw with Alabama last night, dispatching a good Florida team. Now, Alabama doesn't stop people as much as they need to, but they have enough offense where it's going to be hard to keep up with them if you want to get into a shootout. All right, later today, we've got Kansas City Chiefs football coming your way here on KMOX. They will be in New Orleans taking on the Saints. And tonight, we've got Billiken Basketball. Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin with the call as the Billikens are in Minnesota taking on the Golden Gophers. For everybody here, including my good friend James O'Sullivan, we thank you for listening. Have a safe, great holiday season, folks. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday for Countdown to Opening Day with my good buddy Kevin Wheeler on your voice for the Cardinals and Billikens, KMOX.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.